and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast on this Friday, February the 24th. And wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this, I wish you God's life. I wish you God's grace. I wish you God's goodness. As we celebrate today, my friends, that first Friday in Lent, uh, as we celebrate this weekend, our first weekend in Lent, as I mentioned last week, We have put away ordinary time now, and I actually did the research today before I got on. I guessed last week, but uh, we've put away ordinary time on the weekend. The next time we will experience that is going to be in mid-June. It's June the 18th. And um, I mean, that's, that's pretty extraordinary, if I can use that word. The idea is that we are going to be in privileged time. And sometimes, my friends, That privileged time takes us in a space that is wonderful. But sometimes that privileged time invites us into places that are uncomfortable and out of our comfort zone, but have something to teach us there. And that is what this season of Lent is inviting us to do. It's inviting us to uh, come into the wilderness, uh, out of those safe and comfortable spaces that we know, uh, and that... um, invite us into something and well and to be someone new right and so as we enter into this 40-day retreat that we call Lent my friends I invite you to enter into it first and foremost with wherever the Spirit's inviting you to go that's that that wonderful statement in the Gospels that the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness right uh, drove Jesus in there. But the idea being, how do we move beyond that with which we are comfortable and allow the Spirit to move us into some place that it can invite us to be someone new? Not just giving something up so when I get to the, to the waters of Easter, uh, through this 40-day experience that I can start doing it again and, and I've just seen what discipline I have. How can we use this to make us someone new so when we get on the other side of Lent, when we experience resurrection, it will be as this new person, this new creation in Christ. Uh, okay, so we're going to begin where we begin every Lent, right? Uh, with the, the same story. Uh, Jesus in that wilderness. But to get there, we go through Genesis. And these stories have a common thread, and they are marvelous. So I want to let them do the talking. Again, my friends, as always, let's open ourselves to what the Spirit has for us in the Word of God. That word, that phrase, that idea, whatever it is. And allow that to pierce you. Allow that to speak to you. And so with that, let's break open God's Word. The first reading... As I mentioned, it will be from Genesis. It will be chapter 2, verses 7 to 9. Then we're going to skip to chapter 3, 1 to 7. You'll see why. So that will be out of Genesis. A little bit longer readings today. Then the gospel is going to be out of Matthew. Again, we're in Matthew cycle this year, right? Cycle A. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. This takes place immediately after the baptism. Okay, in all three Gospels, the synoptics anyway. Um, After the baptism comes the wilderness. So chapter 4, verse 1 to 11, for those that wish to follow along. 
And so, my friends, let's open ourselves to the Word of God. A reading from the book of Genesis. The Lord God formed man out of the clay of the ground and blew into his nostrils the breath of life. And so man became a living being. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and placed there the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground of the Lord God made various trees grow that were delightful to look at and good for food, with the tree of life in the middle of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all animals that the Lord God had made. The serpent asked the woman, Did God really tell you not to eat from any of the trees in the garden? The woman answered the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. It is only about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, You shall not eat it or even touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You certainly will not die. No, God knows well that the moment you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like gods who know what is good and what is evil. The woman saw that the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eyes and desirable for gaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. My friends, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A word, a phrase, an idea. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. At that time, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was hungry. The tempter approached and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become loaves of bread. He said in reply, It is written, one does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and made him stand on the parapet of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Then the devil took him up to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their magnificence. And he said to him, All these I shall give to you if you will prostrate yourself and worship me. At this, Jesus said to him, Get away, Satan. It is written, The Lord your God shall you worship and him alone shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. My friends, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So you see the, the thread, huh? 
You see the thread? So let's start with the first reading. Now we're going to use mythological um, uh, readings here, mythological ideas, mythological language in, in what's being taught. And uh, as Catholics, what we say is the first 11 chapters of Genesis we call prehistory. Now, I want you to hear me correctly, and don't let anybody tell you differently. These first readings, these stories of Adam and Eve, the story of the fall, all these things, Noah, the ark, uh, the Tower of Babel, all these things, they are true. Okay? They are true. Now, lest your scientific head start to explode, I did not say they actually happened. I said that they are true because, my friends, they are. We call them prehistory because we don't know if they are historical. In fact, all evidence suggests they most likely are not. But what I am saying to you is they are true in the sense of what they are teaching us. And so if we go to Genesis chapter 1 that says, that we, as humanity, women and men, are made in the image and likeness of God. My friends, I hope that you and I will stake our life on the fact that that is true. Because it is incredibly and entirely true. And so, knowing that, don't just look at these and say, ah, oh, they're fables. What do they have to teach us? Oh, my friends, they have to teach us incredible amounts of, of who we are, of what we're about and who God is and, and what God is about. Please, yeah, we go in there with our, our, our sandals off, right, in a sense, because this is holy ground and it has much to teach us. So what is this teaching us? So it's so interesting. So this is the second creation story, okay? Uh, if you go into Genesis chapter 1, that's the first creation story. God creates in, in six days, takes the seventh off. It's got a point, and I'm not going to get into that point now because I only have 20 minutes. But the second creation story is God does. I mean, as this story says, the Lord God formed man out of the clay of the ground. Oftentimes, you know, scriptural scholars will use the word man to mean humanity. That's not what he means here. He, he whoever wrote this. The Lord God formed man, meaning the man. And much of chapter 2, and there's a, there's a point that I'm making here, much of chapter 2 goes into, and we skip right over it, and I wish we didn't, goes into figuring out what is man made for, and, and it's made for a relationship, because then God begins to make the animals, right, and brings the animals in front of the man, and the man names them, uh, but none's pr proved to be a suitable partner for the man. Until he puts a deep sleep on the man, takes Adam of his rib, you know, builds up into woman, uh, and then brings her before, and he has that, you know, aha moment, and he says, this one at last is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, that we are made for relationship with one another. Why do I bring that up? Well, I wish they would have done it in here, because what it does is it allows, when we skip to chapter 3 in the fall, it, it talks about how the fall severs that relationship. It severs the relationship on every level. It severs the relationship 
of the man and the woman, because again, it's too darn short. We'd have to read all of chapter two and chapter three. But if you keep reading on, what is, you know, eventually God meets up with them, right? And, and God looks at the woman and says, what have you done? Or at the man, excuse me, and, and, and says, what have you done? And, and the man immediately turns on the woman and says, she's the one who did it. And so you see the sever. That which was made to be a relationship all of a sudden is no longer in relationship due to this action, uh, what we call sin, but that's a word that carries so many connotations, that action that is, that is uh, focused on the self. It is no longer focused on the we, whoever that we be. It is focused on the self. She made me do it. And then God looks at her, right? At least according to the story. And Eve says, but the, the serpent made me do it. It's all that separation. And remember, before God even found them, God and they would walk through the garden on occasion. But when they heard God coming, they hid from God. And, uh, and, and that, that, of course, is what sin invites us to do, right? We, we blame one another. We separate ourselves from one another. We hide from God, and we hide in our shame, which is where the, the end of this reading points us to as well, right? They had to make, you know, they noticed they were naked, and they made, uh, you know, clothes for themselves with fig leaves, that they are even hidden from themselves. Brothers and sisters, why do we live in the world? Well, that's, a, that's, a, that's too big of a question. Why do we choose to live in those worlds that we create when we make choices that invite us to hide from ourselves, to hide from one another and separate ourselves, and to separate ourselves from God. Because when we choose to live for ourselves, that's what we do. That's what we do. Brothers and sisters, remember when I said Genesis is true? Because it is. Because it holds a mirror up to who we are when we choose to live in this space. Now, in Matthew, we get the exact opposite, right? We get the, first, the, the second Adam, as Paul will call him. But here's, uh, again, you know, because I know I, I only have so much time left. But I don't want to just skip over this too, too quickly. Remember that, that the very essence of sin sorry to use that word, the very essence of choosing to put myself at the center of the world uh, will automatically separate me from God, will separate me from myself, will separate me from others. And I, and I, and I lock myself in a prison of my own making. And, uh, and what Satan, the tempter, uh, the stumbling block, of course, that's what the, the name means, right? But I love that, that word, the tempter. That's what, that's what Satan's inviting Jesus to do here, is to um, be about his, his, not the work of God, but about his own stuff. Now, remember how I said in the Synoptic Gospels, Jesus goes into the wilderness for that 40-day wilderness journey, which was what Lent's about for us. Um, that the Spirit drives him in there. In, 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 in Luke or Mark, and I don't remember which, I think it's Luke, the Spirit drives him in. It might be Mark, forgive me. Uh, but here it just says the Spirit, he, he, he's led, Jesus is led by the Spirit into the, to the desert. And I guess what I want to focus on, because there's so much more I could focus on here. These are so great. But I want to focus on 
Two of the three, did you hear how Satan starts the conversation? Jesus has just come out of the Jordan, and he lifted himself up, and the Spirit of God descended him upon him like a dove, right? And he hears the voice of God saying, this is my beloved one in whom I am well pleased. He knows through this experience of God who God is and who he, Jesus, is. He is the beloved one. He is the child of God, right? Have you ever had that experience? Because, my friends, that is what prayer is to invite us into. Prayer is not a list of, Lord, do this, this, and this, and just listen to me. Prayer is that time where we just be quiet and allow God to love us. Allow God to remind you who you are because you know who you are? At your very root, you are the beloved one of God. But you know what the tempter does? He's going to come along and try to undermine that. And he does that in the desert here. He, two of these first three phrases, he looks at Jesus and says, okay, this is who you think you are? Well, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Because it's written, one does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes, uh, you know, from the mouth. Oh, sorry, that's what Jesus' reply was. The tempter just says, hey, if you're the Son of God, do this cool stuff. Command these stones to become loaves of bread. You know, you can do it. You don't have to be hungry out here. For, you, let this be about you, because you can do it. You are the Son of God. If you are the beloved one, you, oh, you know. God's going to love you no matter what, right? You can you do this, that, or that. But Jesus wouldn't have it be about him, but he would have had it be about what God wants. And that's how he retorts, but one does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. It's not about what I want. It's not about who I am. It's about God's mission for me and who God is. Well, so Satan doesn't give up so easily, the tempter. So he takes him uh, up in the parapet of the temple and says, if you are the son of God, okay, if you really think that's who you are, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you with their hands. They will support you lest you dash your foot against the stone. It's going to be fine. You're going to be okay. And Jesus says, but that would be about me. It would be looking at the miraculous. All of a sudden, everybody would think I'm really wonderful and want to crown me king or whatever it is, but it's not. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test because it's about what God is looking for. Here's my point, and I'll be quiet. Brothers and sisters, when we put ourselves at the center, when we are tempted to say yes to power, which is what the third temptation was, right? When he takes him on the mountain, says, hey, you can have any of these kingdoms. All of that will be yours. Just worship me. Power will be yours. If we are tempted for power or fame or even a full belly or whatever it is in the midst of our trials that we want them to go away, brothers and sisters, if anything that we say yes to severs our relationship with God, first and foremost, and thereby severs our relationship with ourselves, remembering that we are the beloved one, the beloved daughter, the beloved son, right? If anything of what we do severs that, and thereby would sever our relationship with others, why would we choose to do that? But yet we do. We do and we do and we do. 
I don't say this pod, brothers and sisters, to shame us. No, not at all. These readings, they name what is truth for us. But here's what I know. God's grace is bigger than our sin. Paul says it, right? Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. That doesn't mean we put God to the test. But what it means is, what can I do this Lent to invite myself to listen more to that voice that reminds us that you are the beloved one, that, that reminds us who I am and whose I am, uh, that reminds me uh, of my uh, tie to those loved ones, those others in my life. And yes, my friends, there are going to be moments that we choose us. And, and on those moments, we fall on the grace of God because that's the only place that can make us new. Because God does make Adam and Eve new, and he makes us new. But what can we do this Lent to invite us to be new in some way? In some way. And I'll close with this. And I'm going to take this from Father Dave Beaudry. I, I really appreciated this in his sermon on uh, Ash Wednesday. He asked us, you know, he's talking about fasting. And he, he, he said really effectively, what is it that we hunger for? And on whose behalf do we hunger? What can we do to fast for, for what can we hunger for that will make our world, our, our home, our relationships, our relationship with ourselves, with our God, with others? What can we do to hunger on whose behalf that will make us new and help make the world new come Easter. I've spoken long enough. Thanks for your patience there. And let's take all this to prayer. And so, of course, we begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The third sorrowful mystery, the crowning of thorns. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, 
now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. My friends, welcome to the season of Lent. May you be blessed. Be well.